We're going to start off with a couple songs, If My People's Heart Are Humbled and Bless the Nation. And we may do a few uh, favorites as well. But um, good to have you here tonight. Not a lot of folks, but those who want to be here on uh, Sunday night. And glad you're here. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Actually, we'll start with our two songs first. Sure. We'll do our, our two songs, then we'll pray. If my people's hearts are humbled, if they pray and seek my that have looked to you and trusted in you. And we as the remnant of those people continue to lift our hearts and souls up before you, ask you to bless America, watch over it, protect it. And Lord, we pray for revival to sweep across it, that there may be hearts turned to you. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray, amen. We now have the battle hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling up the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching. Glory, glory, hallelujah. 
Tis of thee. That's great. So let's go ahead. Let's all stand for them. tonight. Um, Brother John is our pianist, so um, you want him to try to stump you with songs we haven't sung in? Sure. All right, let's do sure. it. Let's see if some of you have some hymns we haven't sung in a long, long time. Anybody? All right, there you go. Do you know that one? I know that one. Okay, very good. The old Rugged Cross. Our I'm ready if you're ready. <laughs> On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. 
alone. Sure. He'll figure out what book it's Absolutely. in. And if he can't, Sandra Joe can. Usually. And third, they'll go to Hannah. After Hannah, Jesse. Seek to 
fact, when I was a boy, there was a show on every Saturday morning or Sunday morning that had that tune. David and Goliath. Yes. Just Davy and Goliath. Ah. And I was a non-Christian kid. My parents didn't go to church, didn't take us to church. I knew nothing about God when I was a small child. But I loved that show. And so have remembered that tune ever since. And you too. It's it, that was the theme song. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a Christian cartoon. Yeah. And you, yeah. you watched it every time? I, every time I could. Huh? Yeah. Absolutely. How many of you saw that? A few of you. All right. Very good. Not too many. Some of us were at church on Sunday. Oh. <laughs> and I and I give that to you. Actually, we were in the barn, but that's okay. <laughs> But I do have to say the preacher's daughter raised her hand, so I was surprised at that. How did you see that on Sunday morning? Well, maybe because my dad didn't get saved until I was nine. Okay, maybe. So I, maybe I saw it then, but I do remember it. Yeah, absolutely. You see, you send Harmon Boyce on vacation, and somebody takes his place as the heckler. All right, let's do one more. Anybody else have a... All right. Jesus loves me. Okay. That's great. It's page 579 in the hymnal. If we don't have it there on the screen. Or mostly everybody knows it without a right. I think they know the first verse anyways. Jesus loves me this time. My son-in-law, not my brother-in-law, my son-in-law and Joy were here today for morning services. And so this afternoon, Joe told me, he says, wow, I walked by your junior church down there. He said, those kids were really singing out. So I'm not sure exactly what all was going on down there, but he said they were pumped singing. Yes, me and Alex, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I should have had you two come up and lead us in a song or two with it. It's hard to come, after I do the kids singing and I come up here to finish singing with the adults, it's hard to stop moving. So you'll see me over there in that corner still moving around. Yeah. I've seen it and I wondered what was wrong. Now I know. Now I know. All right. Um, I think we've covered everything. And we're ready to go into the Bible lesson for tonight. If you will turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And tonight we are really just going to take a moment to reflect on the riches of God's word in and through us. And you and I as Christians, you and I especially who have selected to come out on this beautiful Sunday night on Memorial Day weekend, 
We come because we love the Lord. We want to worship Him. We want to, we want to sing praises to Him. We want to fellowship with our fellow believers. Um, all of those things. And part of it is because we love the Word of God. So when we come to Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 down through 17, we find in this text the indwelling riches of God's Word. Listen as I read to you these two verses. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. There are several things I wanted to bring out for us tonight. First of all, as you see in the beginning of verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And I want to remind us as we reflect upon the truth of God's word, that we find in God's word great wisdom. Turn with me, if you would, over to James chapter 3, verse 17. We talked a little bit this morning in the Bible hour about how crazy people sometimes think today. And how we just seem to look at each other and say, how do you get that? How do, how do you see that? Because we just see such a lack of wisdom in so many things today. But when we come to God's word, God's word tells us that it is wise. And for us to look to it and to hide it in our heart and to have it dwell within us. I want you to look here at James chapter 3 verse 17 and listen to what it says. But the wisdom that is from above, so not our wisdom, not this earth's wisdom, but the wisdom from above. He says the wisdom that is from above is first, what? Pure. Pure. Then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. As we look at this text and we understand that we are talking about the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above, we see the contrast between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of the word of God. The very first thing he says is it is what? Pure. Let's all say that together. God's word is what? Pure. Pure. And what a contrast to the wisdom of this world, because if you look and listen, you don't find much purity in that. But in the word of God, as you come to it, you find purity as he wants us to walk in him, walk with him, that we might live a life that would honor him. So his wisdom is, first of all, pure. And then the second one is what? Peaceable. Peaceable. So that wisdom from above, the wisdom of God's word, is peaceable. Now, there are people who try to say that Christianity is part of the problem in the world and that religion has created so many wars in the world. And I think we have to step back and understand the distinction between religion and true biblical Christianity. So Jesus taught us a lesson at the Garden of Gethsemane when it comes to religious wars. Because Peter did something. Can some, somebody tell me what Peter did in the garden? He took a sword and hacked off 
Absolutely. Cut the ear off of the high priest's servant. And the Lord did what? Put it back on. And then what was his response to Peter about cutting that man's ear off? What did he say? Put away the sword. Put away the sword. Because if I wanted to, I can call down 10,000 legions of angels. He didn't need a religious war. He didn't call us to a religious war. Now, he did call us to a spiritual war. A spiritual war is not fought with metal. It's fought with the word of God. It's fought with the word of purity. That we might win the hearts and minds and souls of people. That they might have eternal life. But he has not called us to the wars of this world in the name of God. So when we look at this, what's he say? He says to us that his word is first of all pure. And then he tells us that it is peaceable. But look down with me, if you would, at the third one. First one is what? Pure. Pure. Second one? Peaceful. Third one? Gentle. gentle. And it's interesting that he links peaceable with gentle. You and I should be a compassionate people. The wisdom of God, the wisdom that comes down from above, the wisdom of God's word, it gives us the ability to be gentle in a violent world. It gives us an ability to be gentle even when there are others all around us pushing and shoving. We look to stand for the Lord. Yes, we stand unmovable. Yes, we stand lashed to the mast and not letting go of the truths of the scriptures. But we can do that with the gentleness of a dove and the wisdom of a serpent. So as we look here, he tells us, this wisdom that comes from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle. And then what's the third one, a uh, fourth one? Easy to be entreated. Can somebody tell me what's that mean when you read in the Bible that God's wisdom enables us to be easy to be entreated? Anybody know? I've said it many times. So I'm counting on you remembering it. Accessible, like easy to understand? Not accessible. Somebody else? So easy to be entreated is the ability to come to somebody and talk to them in an accessible way, but without argumentation, without confrontation. It's peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. For somebody to be able to come to you and say, listen, I want to be the peacemaker in your situation, in this difficulty. I want to be that person that helps to resolve the issue. I want to make it so that it's easy to be entreated, easy to work out. So it links with the other parts that talk to us about it being peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. And then he goes one step farther in that verse. Because he says to us, not only is it pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, it's what? Full of mercy. God's word helps us to be a merciful people. Because in the midst of a world that has gone mad, sometimes mercy is hard to pull out of your pocket. 
when you end up with people in the, in the culture we live in today cursing you out or flipping you off or who knows what takes place as you pull up to an intersection or you deal with people at the store. Uh, Sandra Joe and I have talked about how things have changed sometimes in the rudeness of people when we go places, especially when everybody was masked. I was surprised sometimes when I would go to places and people would cut you off, step in front of you, not near you, but kind of take your place because they're masked. Nobody could really identify them. But you and I should be a people who manifest the mercy of God. And so he teaches us that his word, that wisdom that comes from above, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. Because we are called to be fruit bearers, aren't we? Called to good works. In fact, we were created unto good works is what the scriptures teach us. In those good works, he teaches us that his wisdom is without partiality and without hypocrisy. When we look at the world's wisdom, we see partiality. We see hypocrisy. We should not reflect that in our Christian lives. We should be drawing from that wisdom of God's word as spoken of in Colossians 3.16. And we went to James 3.17 to find some of it just enumerated out for us. But let's go back to our text there in Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to look down with me at the second half of verse 16, if you would. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And that's what we just talked about. And one of the nice things about the emphasis of that verse is that, that word richly. Because when you think about something being done richly, you want to think of like a, a chocolate cake. You know, Sandra Joe. every once in a while, I'm not a huge cake person, but if I'm going to be a cake person, I want a rich cake. I want that double fudge chocolate cake. I want that one that when you cut through it, it's so moist, not even a crumb falls off. It's just rich. You can kind of visualize that and taste that, can't you? And so here he's talking to us and he's saying, the word of God dwells in us richly in all wisdom. It's precious. It's luscious. It's good. And then he goes down. Look what he says in the middle of verse 16. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When you and I tonight came together, as small a group as we may be on this Memorial Day weekend evening, as we look at this, we came and we sang, didn't we? And actually, I thought we sang out quite well for not being a large crowd. We mentioned how that in the Boys and Girls Sunday School this morning, they were just flat out singing out. So much so that as people came by, they took note of these boys and girls having fun singing. When we look at this verse, we're reminded that we teach one another and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Us singing is a part of the worship that honors God. But it also encourages each of us, one with another. Singing is something we do corporately. 
It's not nearly as much fun at home by ourselves. When we were doing live streaming services and you know people were at home sitting on their couch, how many of you sang right out? You just kicked it out. <laughs> A few of you. How did it sound in there? Did it sound as good as here? For one thing, I'm not a good singer, so I didn't put Sandra Jo through, through that misery of me singing out in the living room. Because some of our live streaming, we would pre-record, and I was at home, and John maybe was at home. Although a lot of times, he had to come here and make sure this thing ran. Right. So uh, I might, might have been at home, might have not been. But man, I am just not a good singer to sing out in the living room. But when I'm here, and it's time for us to worship, I sing out. I sing out because it's part of what I want to do. It's part of the joy of coming together. You encourage me to sing out by you singing out. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying that you and I teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We actually are doing the work of ministry when we come and sing one with another. This morning as we were singing in, in our sanctuary and I was, I was looking around, we had really good attendance this morning as I was looking around, especially for Memorial Day weekend, I was really pleased. And I was looking around at folks singing. Such a blessing, isn't it? To look around and see people singing praises to the Lord. That is an encouragement. So he challenges us that when we come to the word of God, the wisdom and the riches of God's word, it stirs us to lift up our voices in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. It is important for us to sing from the heart. Every once in a while, folks will mention to me that, well, you know, I've gone to church a long, long time and, and I'm struggling to keep the same zeal that I always had. But you know, it's kind of like in a marriage. Doesn't matter if you've been married 25 or 30 years, it's nice sometimes to just sit and hold hands, isn't it? Just kind of connects you. Every once in a while, I'll look out and I'll see older couples. This morning, George and Kathy Caswell sitting right over here. I was walking by shaking people's hands. And here they are, they're in their 70s and they're sitting over there holding hands. That's a blessing, isn't it? But see, you have to keep that little spark alive, don't you? You have to work at it. Well, it's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. If that coal starts to grow a little dim, got to fan it with sincere song, with sincere prayer, with sincere Bible reading, looking to draw nearer to the Lord, hold his hand and draw nearer to him as our Lord, our God, our Savior. So he tells us here that the word of God, as we apply it, implement it, let it richly be a part of us, it stirs us that we might teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Stir your heart. Stir your soul. Uh, this morning as Jen did her video about her uncle who had died in Korea. 
As I looked out, I saw several people were stirred to tears. But then also, as we were singing some of our songs, I saw several people stirred to tears. And because it comes from the heart, they're touched. So there's nothing wrong with that. Every once in a while, somebody will say, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've had people get up and leave the service and later on tell me, I, I started to cry and I, I was embarrassed. I tell them, you should never be embarrassed when you're stirred in your heart and tears come to your eyes. You should never be embarrassed. God's doing a work in you. Praise the Lord for that. And here he's talking about him pouring forth the riches of his word into our hearts and lives and how it should stir us as we minister to others through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as we sing from our hearts. But let's go down to verse 17 and listen to what he says to us. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's important for us to understand that when God is doing a work in us, there should be a work being done through us. And that's why he says, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Our words and our deeds should match our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, shouldn't it? It should be that the songs we sing reflect what's in our heart. It should be that the word we read and apply and memorize and hide in our heart should change us and shape us. So that the, the, the things we do in word or deed, all can be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to ask ourselves, when I'm on the job, is my work reflective as it's being done as unto the Lord? In my home, in my relationship, is it reflective of honoring our Lord Jesus Christ? As we go about our business in our community, and tomorrow, Memorial Day, as folks go and walk, handing out candy and little gospel cards, are we doing it in such a way as to honor our Lord Jesus Christ? Doing it all in the name of the Lord. All our words, all our deeds. It should be a real part of us. Whether we work at Goodrich, Simmons, what are they calling it now? Collins. Collins. But somebody told me it's not Collins anymore. That it's something, something space. Oh, it's Collins Aerospace. Okay, yeah. Collins Aerospace. Wherever we're working. <laughs> Collins Aerospace. Foster Farm. Connie's household chore business. Whatever it is, we should be doing it as unto the Lord. When we look at this, we understand that God is genuinely telling us that the things we read, the things we hide in our heart, should shape us and make us a new person in Christ. So whatsoever ye do in word or deed, the riches of God's wisdom should shape us. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then I want you to see the last part of verse 17, because this ties into Memorial Day. You see, part of us reflecting on the price paid for our freedom is us reflecting with thanksgiving. 
Thankfulness is a real part of our core as Christians. So he says to us here, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We, of all people, should be the most thankful people. We are blessed. Look at the lives that we have lived. I mean, truly, we are blessed. We live in comfortable homes. We, we drive on good roads. I mean, I've talked to missionaries where to go from here to Burlington would take them three hours. Mud and unbelievable things happen to winch themselves out just to go to the city. And you and I, we pull out here, we don't give it a thought, do we? Pull out, maybe peel out. I don't know how George drives, maybe. I don't know. You know, you go out. Michael, pay attention now to what's going on. But we drive on these roads. We take everything for granted, don't we? We're very spoiled people. Now, every once in a while, something disrupts that, like $5 gas. It kind of disrupts everything. But the reality is we have so much to give thanks for. Amen. Sandra, Joe, and I today, you know, our, our daughter and six grandkids, they're all at the house with, brother, with our brother, son-in-law, Joe. And we don't see them that often. Not like some of you whose family is almost next door. So when they come, it's, it's exciting for us to have them come and be around. But maybe if they lived next door, I would take them for granted. Could that happen? Maybe. I don't know. But we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for our children, our parents, our family, even our neighbors and friends. But most especially for our church family. People who pray for us and really love us. Sometimes when I see people who come to church for a long time and fall by the wayside, I, I just wonder to myself, do they not miss having a church family pray for them, love them and care for them? I would miss that as a person, as a Christian. So you and I as believers, when we come down here, we talk about the riches of God's word dwelling in us. And we see how it moves us, stirs us, encourages us, even motivates us to sing and uh, hymns and spiritual songs and psalms. When we come down, he really concludes it by simply saying, give thanks to God and the Father by him. His word really has changed my whole life. Louis this morning in men's prayer breakfast mentioned, where would I be without the Lord and my church family? And I certainly, you know, I did not come from a Christian background at all. Um, the little cartoon we saw as kids was about the max I knew about Christianity. Went to church maybe three or four times my entire childhood that I can remember. But when I was 16 years old and received Christ as my savior because a guy on the job invited me to church, it changed my entire life. Everything about my life changed. The whole direction and course of my life changed. I give God thanks for that. Louis mentioned, he said, well, I, you know, I have other brothers and 
I look at where they are and where I am, and he said, I'm thankful for where I am. And in my life too, I look at my family, my friends that I grew up with, and I look at all that has transpired in their lives, and I say to myself, I am so blessed. I've never been arrested. I've never gone ahead and been thrown in jail for drunken driving. I've never gone ahead and had somebody call up the police because I was abusing my wife. I've never had my kids tell me I'm going to a psychiatrist because you messed me up. And I give all the glory and honor to the Lord for that because he's the one who really changed my life. And I thank the Lord for all of that. So you and I, as we go into Memorial Day tomorrow, we need to be a thankful people. Thank the Lord for every person who is willing to serve, even to the ultimate price that we might enjoy our freedoms. But don't forget to thank the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ, who willingly gave his life that we might live. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for truly you are worthy of all praise. Your word has been given forth so richly. It's changed our lives. <clears throat> it's changed our eternities. And Lord, as we go about our business tonight and tomorrow, I pray that you would help us to represent you well in all that we say and do, that it might be done as unto you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out tonight.